0: First in Luke chapter 18 verses 9 through 14 and then Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10 and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others two men went up into the temple to pray the one a Pharisee and the other a publican the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man there named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and he could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and came down, and received him joyfully and when they saw it they all murmured saying that he was gone to be the guest with a man that is a sinner and Zacchaeus stood and he said unto the Lord behold Lord the half of my goods I give to the poor and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation I restore him fourfold and Jesus said unto him this day is salvation come to this house, forasmuch as he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. May God bless to our understanding these readings from his word. Someone has written a little poem that is just about my favorite. It says, within our earthly temple there's a crowd. There's one of us who's humble, one who's proud. There's one who's broken hearted for his sins. There is another unrepentant who sits and grins. From many a worldly care I could be free if I could but once determine which is me. Now you never really know who's praying in church. This was what a friend of mine, a distinguished minister of our church, Dr. McFerrin Crowe, used to say. And you rather, never really know, especially when you see an instance such as that which was read in the first part of our second lesson. Our Lord Jesus Christ had unquestionably heard some publican, that is a tax collector, who was really a renegade to his own people, and one who had been... Uh, bleeding his people white in a dishonest way. He was in the temple. He was really not welcomed there, but he came anyway, and he was at prayer. There was another man there who was always in the temple. It was a part of his set routine in his daily life. He never failed to be in the temple. He is called a Pharisee, and the very word Pharisee means a separated one. He was one who separated himself from all others. He was one of those who considered himself so holy that he could not be contaminated by associating with any other person who might degrade him. The Pharisees had started out as a very good intentioned people. People who were zealous for God and people who were determined to maintain purity purity of worship, and purity of conduct, to be exemplary lives. But like a lot of good intentions, they sometimes go astray. For the people who were Pharisees began to trust in themselves more than they trusted in God. If you want a definition of a Pharisee, you can almost find it in contradiction by looking at the first few verses of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. For when St. Paul speaks in that great chapter about love, though I speak with the tongue of men or of angels and have not love, I am a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now when Paul says that, he is thinking about his old life, for he himself had been a Pharisee. And I expect that Paul himself had known, had known Pharisees, had known his own brethren after the flesh who could speak not with the tongues of a man, but the tongues of an angel. He had known Pharisees who would even go to the extent not only of giving a tenth of all that they possessed, but really giving all their possessions to feed the poor. And though it made his blood curdle, Paul knew those who were so zealous after their faith that they would even give their body to be burned. But while they would do all of these things, while their head was so full of divine light, their head was all the time void of divine love. And that's what Paul wants to warn us against in the Pharisaic attitude. And so when Jesus went into the temple, it's no surprise to him that he there hears a Pharisee praying. The Pharisee prays. And what does he pray? Listen carefully to what he prays. And I often wonder how our prayers would really sound if they issued forth so that all of us in this sanctuary could hear them if we were really praying. The Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, When you criticize another person, it sometimes involves a subtle form of flattery to yourself. The person who has to throw dirt on someone else in order to make himself look good is this way. So the Pharisee stands and he prays, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And then he begins to say, what other men are? Extortioners? What is an extortioner? An extortioner is an expert thief. An extortioner, I talked to a man this week about one who is uh, now guilty of extortion. He is an expert thief. And the Pharisee thanks God that he is not an extortioner. There have been thieves, and they have been right here in this chapel where I've been preaching. And a thief may be forgiven. And if you are here this morning and you're guilty of having stolen something, and you are brokenhearted for your sin, and that 51st Psalm of David speaks to your own heart, then you can know that God Almighty will forgive you, and that you can go and make amends for the wrong which you have done. The Pharisee says, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers. I have known those who are guilty of adultery, for they have been in my office and have confessed their sin. And I have read with them the 51st Psalm of David. And we saw that that which looked so exciting before now turned horrible, and they sought the forgiveness of God. And, friend, if you are guilty of that sin, which is really winked upon by the idiot morality that we see pervade through television and motion pictures today, but it's a sin, a sin against the body, a sin against the home, and a sin against Almighty God. But if you are guilty of it, and you are truly sorry for your sin, and if you want the forgiveness of God and to shoulder the responsibility of a new life in Christ, then take heart. You're exactly the person who he sent me here to speak to. You're why Jesus came to take away all your sin so that you might never remember them anymore and you can be forgiven. Your sins, which are many, can be all washed away. Your sins not in part but the whole, for they are nailed to his cross, and you can bear them no more. You can say, praise God, it is well with my soul. Well, the Pharisee thanks God that he is not an extortioner, that he is not an adulterer, and that he is not, even as this publican, he points out this tax collector who is called a publican. A man who had been guilty of being a renegade against his own people. And then look at the Pharisee brag about himself. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. But do we do this for the glory of God, or is it being done so that we might glory in that which we do? It's altogether wrong when we go at it as the Pharisee did. And now look at the publican. The publican, the tax collector, he is standing afar off. He would not so much as come close to the holy place, but he stands with his eyes cast down. He would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Maybe we are frustrated and haunted by a pervading sense of guilt today because we have laid aside something of what we sang about a moment ago. That amazing grace has lost its sweet sound well, we have a cheap form of grace and a cheap idea of forgiveness but any person who ever looks at the elements in a communion service and who thinks about the broken body and the shed blood of the son of god or who thinks thinks of jesus having been nailed to a cross for his sins he knows that that grace that grace is costly And that grace is a grace by which we may be forgiven of all our sins. And so, the man begins to speak of his sins, and he seeks God's forgiveness. Do you remember John Donne, the Elizabethan poet? John Donne had, in the earlier part of his life, been a person who was quite evil. And yet, as he grew older, God spoke to him. And he himself took up holy orders, and he became a great man of God. His sermons are still read and considered thoughtfully. His poetry ranks among the best in the English language. Listen to one of his poems. He makes a play on his name, which is John Donne. Wilt thou forgive that sin which I begun, which is my sin, though it were done before? Wilt thou forgive that sin through which I run, and do run still, though still I do deplore? When thou hast done, thou hast not done, for I have more. Wilt thou forgive that sin by which I won others to sin, and made my sin their door? Wilt thou forgive that sin which I did shun a year or two, but wallowed in a score? When thou hast done, thou hast not done for I have more. I have a sin of fear that when I have spun my last thread I shall perish on the shore. Swear by thyself that at my death thy son, that is the Son of God, the Son of Righteousness, swear by thyself that at my death thy son shall shine as he shines now and heretofore. And having done that, thou hast done I fear no more. Do you see that the fear is taken away when one makes his confession and one knows that God brings to his heart and mind forgiveness? And now then, I have often wondered this Is this particular publican that day in the temple who smites himself upon his breast and cries out to God to be merciful to him, a sinner? Could he possibly be Zacchaeus? I wonder if he was. For then we read in Luke chapter 19 how Jesus, who is now on his way to the cross, enters and passes through Jericho. Jericho was an important city. It was a place where dates and balsam and figs were grown. It's a place that's still known to those of us who have been to school in Europe as the place where fine oranges and citrus fruit come from. Well, it was a place where the tax trade would have been lucrative. And this man Zacchaeus was not just any publican, he was the chief among the publicans. And it says plainly that he was very rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and he could not for the crowd because he was of little stature. Now then this brings us to four simple points about Zacchaeus. Did you know that God knows that you're here this morning just as he knew that publican and that Pharisee were in church and just as he knew that this man Zacchaeus hungered and thirsted for forgiveness and he wanted desperately to have the forgiveness of god well jesus is going through jericho and the word gets out and the great crowds begin to throng the streets i stood with one of my friends one day in edinburgh and i saw the car of the queen of england There was a great crowd of people that all gathered in line the cobblestone street they were waiting to see the queen coming from holyrood up to uh, where the general assembly of the church of scotland meets we all were anxious for a glimpse of the queen well zacchaeus had heard about jesus And I rather think that he must have heard about Jesus from Matthew. You see, Matthew was of the same profession as he was. Matthew himself was a publican. Matthew himself was a crooked tax collector. Matthew must have thought at one time that there would never be any hope for the likes of him until one day Jesus saw him sitting at the receipt of custom and said, Matthew, come and follow me. And he did. And I think that Matthew got in contact with Zacchaeus because he was the general superintendent of the collectors of internal revenue. And Matthew must have said, Zacchaeus, I know that you think you can never get out of this evil business, and you can never have your life changed. But Jesus has changed all of my life for me. And I know full good and well that he can change your life too. And Zacchaeus, if Jesus ever comes to Jericho, whatever you do, be certain that you go and see him. And I think that Matthew must have gone to Jesus that day when they were going through Jericho and said to him, Master, there is a little man here in this city. Name Zacchaeus, but he's got a big heart. He's been caught up in an evil profession. I know he wants a new lease on life, and he wants to be made over. Won't you please speak to him? Well, the crowd came, and Zacchaeus couldn't even see Jesus. I think that some of the crowd who must have visited Zacchaeus in his tax office, and who had often quailed and trembled in the presence of this august person, now took some sort of secret delight in standing in front of him so that he couldn't see. But Zacchaeus' ingenuity was great. He saw there a tree with limbs that he could climb, and he scampered up into a tree. And I've often thought about the ridiculous spectacle of a very rich man in gorgeous apparel, climbing up into a tree like some little street urchin. People of great dignity and authority and power never like to be seen in an undignified position. The other day it made headlines when President Ford stumbled and fell down the steps of the uh, Air Force jet. You, you, if you're a person of great authority, you do not wish to be seen in an undignified posture. That's why when in the wintertime some person slides down on the ice and falls, the first thing they do is look around and see who saw them when they <laughs> fell. We don't like to be seen in that way. And so it was with Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus forgot about his pride. And you know pride is deadly. Pride can keep you from God. That's what happened, you see, with that Pharisee. He was all full of pride. Pride in his own conduct. So much so that he didn't get the blessing that day that he was in church. But Zacchaeus forgot all about his pride and his position and his office, and he climbed up into a tree. And if you ever want to really be saved, if you really want to be in a right relationship with God, forget all about your pride. And ask God for some of that amazing grace. And ask God for that forgiveness which his son has purchased in his own body on the tree. Zacchaeus climbed up into the tree. And he looked down. And here came Jesus, and there was a crowd following and probably a lot of children yelling and screaming out to the entourage of Jesus and Zacchaeus looked down and all of a sudden Jesus looks up and their eyes meet each other and the first thing that Zacchaeus says is to himself he sees me he sees me God sees into every heart in this chapel today God sees into the heart of every person who listens by their radio to this broadcast. God sees. God sees me. I remember as a little boy in Texas, at the very beginning of World War II in 1941, I was a little fellow and I used to walk by the post office in our town. And there was one of those great posters about that wide and about so tall And it was Uncle Sam in the tall hat and the stars and stripes, and there was a picture of him with his hand like that. And it said, I want you. And I would go and look, and I thought that that was following me all the way down the street. I would look back, and I thought it was following me. I thought he sees me. Uncle Sam sees me. He wants me. Well, Zacchaeus looked, and he looked into the eyes of Jesus, And his heart rejoiced for Jesus. Jesus spoke to him. He called him by name. We live in a time when you're a zip code or an area code or an IBM number. When we're billed by computers and we're alienated in the society in which we live by the impersonal way in which we are treated. Someone told me not long ago about a public school uh, where they had started teaching by students going into a particular place and sitting down and pressing a button and they could have a lecture rerun on a screen for them with uh, audio-visual equipment. And if they didn't get it, they could press a different way and it would come back expanded. And Then if they didn't get it, they could press a different way and it would come back uh, Uh, a little bit different. And then if they didn't get it, they knew they weren't going to get it, and they left. Uh, But but, uh, someone has said that if you automate education, the only way that a child of the future will be able to get his teacher's attention will be to bend his IBM card. And that may be the truth. But Zacchaeus heard his name. Jesus called him by name and said, Zacchaeus. And what did Zacchaeus think? He not only sees me, but he knows me. Doesn't it make a difference that Jesus said that he knew his sheep by name? That he calls them by name? Do you remember Simon Peter, who betrayed him? That when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he gave a special word to those women who were early at the tomb, go tell my disciples and Peter that I am risen from the dead. And if you are one who is alienated from God, be sure that he not only sees you, but he knows you. He knows you by name. He knows you by name. Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest presidents. Abraham Lincoln, once, if you go to some Lincoln museum, you can find this card. Once there was a a little game being played by some of Mr. Lincoln's children and he was a great father, he was a good father, in the midst of all of the pressures of the Civil War he took time to lovingly uh, look after his children and one of his uh, children had been playing soldiers and they had pretended that one of the little soldiers had committed uh, an offense against the government and he was being sentenced to be shot by a firing squad. And so uh, they came asking for entrance into the president's office. And, of course, the president's guards allowed them to come in because the little boy was the son of the president. And he came up to the president and he told them his plight that the the little soldier had committed uh, an offense against the government And so he had been ordered to be shot, but they said, we know that you are president and you can give him a pardon, so will you pardon him for the wrong he has done. And Mr. Lincoln took his pen and he wrote on a little card, he was famous for his brevity, he wrote, let the doll Jack be pardoned, A. Lincoln. (laughs) And that's one of the mementos that you see of a great man today. He took the time to listen to his children. On this Father's Day, I could not help but think about a new book i'm reading on david livingston and did you know that david livingston had a son who is buried at salisbury north carolina he did he had a son by the name of robert and that son became wayward he got into a lot of evil he finally came across to america he joined the union army he was wounded and taken prisoner and he was put in a prisoner camp at Salisbury, North Carolina, where he died of his wounds. And David Livingston, to the last day of his life, wrote in his diary, Oh God, that I had my life to live over. I should have spent more time playing with him. I should have been with him more often. And how we fathers feel this again and again. Lincoln was careful with his children. Livingston great though he was, wishes that he had been. Well, he knows me. He knows me, and he calls me by name. Not only that, but Jesus called him by name and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today I must go and abide in your house. And so Zacchaeus could say thirdly, he wants me. Doesn't it make your heart really throb with joy to know that jesus wants you he wants you no matter who you are no matter what you have done he wants to forgive you he wants to share his life with you and you to share your life with him he wants to be lord of your life he wants to enable you to show his love and forgiveness and the light and the power and the grace that he can give you to other people He wants you. Now we are told in scripture that when Jesus went into Zacchaeus' house there was a general murmur of disapproval. Unhappily this murmur has always come down to the church. There are people who cannot do anything else but murmur. And they murmured at Jesus because he had gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. Well that's where he needed to be. He went to his home. And Zacchaeus could say, he wants me. And then fourth and lastly, Zacchaeus came outside and he stood in the presence of all that assembled congregation by his house. He said so that all could hear him. He said these words, Master, half of my goods I am going to give to the poor. And whatever I have stolen from any man, I will restore him fourfold. Now, I expect that when he had done that, he had nothing left. But it really didn't matter to Zacchaeus, because lastly, he could say, I want him. He could say, he sees me, he knows me, he wants me. And he could say, I want him. I want him to be Lord of my life. Now, I really don't know if that publican in the temple that day was really Zacchaeus or not. I like to believe that he was. But I do know this much, that if you are condemned in your own heart as a sinner, and you have done those things which are contrary to the will and the word of God, that he wants to forgive you, and he wants to restore you to fellowship with him, He wants to restore you to that joy and to that fellowship that can be in your home. I saw not long ago some notes that were left, I believe, by F. Scott Fitzgerald, the novelist. It was about a projected novel that he was to write. And the plot centered around a great mansion with enormous grounds and a huge amount of money and an eccentric multimillionaire had left all of this money to his family. His family was divided. His family was bitter toward one another and the millionaire left them the house and the grounds and each a share of the enormous wealth but all on the condition that they would live together under the same roof in this house. Mankind is not unlike that. We are left to live together on this little planet Earth. Part of us are in a family. Part of us are in a church. Pride can separate us from one another. Putting self forward can separate us from each other. God wants to break down that wall. And God has effectively done so through the cross of his son, Jesus Christ there's an old legend that when Zacchaeus was an old man that his wife used to see him steal out of bed each morning in Jericho early in the morning and make his way out of the house and down the street and she wondered where Zacchaeus was going and so one morning she followed Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus went down the street And he came to that tree, that sycamore tree which he had climbed that day that lifted him up so that he could see the Savior. And he took a jar of water and he watered the tree. He laid his head against it and he made a prayer. Now this is forever what the work of the church is to be, to lift men up so that they can see Jesus. And to fulfill what Jesus spoke of evangelism, which is to seek, and that's a verb, to seek and to save that which is lost. We are lost when we are not where we ought to be in our relationship with God, but we can be found by putting our trust and our faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. If you've never made that decision, the very best thing that could come of this service today would be that on this Father's Day you would think of your Father in Heaven and write down that June 15, 1975 was the day in which you committed your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and you asked him consciously and knowingly to take over your life and to be your Savior. Let us stand in prayer. (laughs) O God, our Heavenly Father, we rejoice in that love that thou hast shown toward the children of men by sending your blessed Son the greatest, most powerful gift that you as a father could make that he might be the Savior, not of the world alone, but of us as individuals. Help us to know that you see us and that you know us and that you want us and create within our heart a desire to want you more than anything in all the world and for every person who today has opened the door of his or her heart to thee grant to that person the assurance of of the truth of your word that him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out and that that person is received and forgiven by your grace and by your power. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit our keeper and our guide be and abide with you all now and forevermore.